Check, check, check one, check two. Beautiful. We are not going to be turning to Matthew this morning. I know. Get shocked. We are actually going to be in another book of the Bible. It's called James. It's uh, near the end of the Bible. It's right near the, the final book, which is Revelation. But we're going to look at James this morning. And I'll explain why in just a minute. But let's go ahead and turn there right now. James chapter 3 is where we begin. I've actually got to turn there. It's right between Hebrews and 1 Peter. Near the back. James chapter 3. James, if you've, if you've, I don't know if you've encountered the book before, but it's super duper practical. That's why I love it. He gives this awesome practical advice. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about today. The, the title of this section is called Taming the Tongue. Let's dive in. We're going to start, sorry, we're going to start with chapter 3, verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. And get this, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. That's our passage for the day, a heavy passage about the tongue, about the power of our words. And the reason we're looking at James 3 today is we're taking a little bit of a pause a little bit of an interim period between sermon series. We're doing our own series. We're going to look at some of the values that we hold as a church. Some of the things that we lift high. James 3 speaks to one of those, uh, one of the values that we have as a church. We just went through the book of Matthew. We're going to be looking at the life of, of Abraham from the Old Testament coming up soon. But right now we get a chance for just a few weeks to look at what we're all about as a church. What we're all about as Christ Central. And one of the things we're all about is humility. Humility. And to really grasp humility, it's extremely important that we understand the power of words. The power of words. You, you can't really grasp humility until you understand the power of words. Because with, as James says here, with our tongue, we bless and we curse other people. Do you guys know what the Hebrew word is for bless? I'm sure you don't. <laughs> but you know what it means? 
The Hebrew word for blessed means? It means to bend the knee. That's what it means. Kind of like this. How do you feel right now, Austin, with me bending the knee to you? I feel like I'm sitting on the Iron Throne. Game of yeah, Thrones. right on. Yeah. Iron Throne and Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But yeah, do you feel honored? I do, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? All I had to do was bend my knee. And you feel honored. You feel blessed. That's the concept that James is talking about with blessing. We bend the knee to other people and we bless them. But we also crush them with our words. We curse people also. So we're going to dive into what it looks like to be a community that's known for bending the knee. And we're going to, we're going to dive into that by looking at the power of words as James teaches us through the tongue. Taming the tongue. Charlottesville has a lot of power. It's a, small, it's a smaller city. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a huge metropolitan area like Washington, D.C., which we all know has a lot of power. But Charlottesville is kind of sneaky in the sense that it has a lot of power. And a lot of the power that Charlottesville has comes from the fact that it's a city that deals in the world of words. We're a city that deals in the world of words. You know, think about it. There's the power of words that were written uh, right near here on a little hilltop known as Monticello. Right? Some words were penned there that have affected us as a nation, in fact. There's a large university just down the street, about a mile away, where there are words, hundreds of thousands, probably millions of words written every day. And the reality is, as James is teaching us here, words have power. And so, honestly, y'all, Charlottesville is a place with a lot of power. But I want to talk more than just about the place of Charlottesville. I want to talk about how this affects us as individuals. I have a friend who I was talking with recently who uh, speaks about his time growing up in very painful ways. And one of the ways that he talks about his painful upbringing was the fact that his dad called him a lot of names. And one of the names, the one that he remembers most vividly, is Houseplant. I know, it's sad, isn't it? It's kind of funny, but it's really sad. That was one of the words his father used for him, was Houseplant. And it's affected the entire course of his life. We all probably have words that we carry around with us that affect the course of our life. And that's what James is talking about here in this passage. He says, A rudder steers a giant ship, and a bit in the horse of a mouth steers this huge animal. We just went to Jamestown this week. My parents are in town. Hi, Mom. My, parents, my dad's at home with Andrew. But uh, we went to Jamestown. We went to Williamsburg. What a delightful place to go. Have you all ever been to Jamestown? You had a chance to go down there? If you have not, it's something that I would highly recommend if you want to learn a little bit about Virginia history. But there's some huge ships there. And so our kids got to run around on these ships down there. They're beautiful. They're replicas, obviously. But we were just in awe of the fact how many people spent how many months on those ships. And it was really cool to look at the rudder for these things. They didn't have a traditional wheel like you think of for a ship. They basically just had this big bar that would kind of be moved back and forth by the captain to steer the ship and tell it where to go. 
And I was reminded, as I was chewing on James, as I was reminded of this passage, of how this tiny little thing, it's just as, I mean, it's probably like 0.05% of the ship determines the entire course that that ship will take. These little bitty things, these tiny little things we call words, have the power to shift the course of our entire lives. They help us to make decisions, both good and bad. They push us into areas we thought we wanted to go and into areas we never wanted to go. Words have a lot of power. And that's what James is getting at in this passage. So an outline for today, if you're someone who likes to take notes, the basics are this. Words have power over the listener, according to James. Words have power over the speaker, according to James. Words have power over the heart, according to James. And then our last point is we're going to talk about Iron Man, because there's just tons of application here to Iron Man. Everybody's favorite Marvel character, I'm sure. So let's talk for a minute. Let's start with this idea of the the power of words over the listener. And let's think positive. The power of the blessing. You experienced it this morning, this positive power of words with the bending of the knee, right? When we, when we bless someone, we say that all the time, right? We say, bless you, or I, you guys, it's in your name also for the blessings. But <laughs> this word blessing gets thrown around a lot. It's kind of a Christianese word. You know, it's something that people like to throw around and just be like, oh, bless you, bless you, bless your heart. Something, a southernism. But blessing is truly important for all of us in our lives because of this concept of the bending of the knee. It's essentially, if you think of bending of the knee, it's lifting someone up with your words and taking yourself a lower position. Think of it spatially like that. That's what happens when you bless someone. When you encourage someone with your words, you lift them, whatever position they're in, they might be low that day, they might be neutral, they might have had a good day, but you take them from wherever they are And you bring them up higher because you're taking yourself lower. And you're looking for ways in which that person is better than you. There's always something that the people we interact with do that is better than how we do it. It's hard, I admit, I admit it, for myself especially, it's hard for us to focus on those things. You know who I think does a great job of focusing on those things? Doug Granger. (laughs) I told, him, I told him I was going to put him in an illustration in the sermon today, so don't worry. But I think Doug Granger, to me, it just has a gift. It's a gift. It's from God. Of peering into another person and looking for, I can see where this person is better than me. And then, and then once you identify that, you can then lift them up. You can say to them with your words, you know what? You really do a good job of cleaning up. You know what? You really do a good job of... X, Y, Z, of playing basketball, of, you know, walking. <laughs> it, I know, you're, you're just, the, what, your gait is really pleasant to watch. I've never seen anybody do it so well. Yeah. Yours. yeah thank you, thank you. Okay, we'll ta- I'll take it. Keep it coming. Keep bending the knee. Um, but it's, it's, y'all, it's something that is really important for us to make a regular habit in our lives of bending the knee to those around us. Because if you're like me, your natural proclivity is to do the opposite. is <laughs> to find what's wrong with and to find the things that you're better at than the people around you. And to go, ooh, I'm... B- 
<laughs> I'm better than that person because of this. And yeah, I mean, they're nice and all, but ooh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. And it's just our natural proclivity. It's just what we do. We're constantly comparing ourselves to those around us. Good old Facebook. And we like to say, I'm better than those people. And what James is saying here is if you use your words, if you clothe those thoughts in words, you're going to do damage to the people around you. You just are. If you clothe those thoughts in words, you're going to rip people apart around you. I remember feeling this when I was interviewing for a job one time, and my previous uh, employer, my previous supervisor, had said some really nasty words about me. And this, in this, this per- job I was interviewing for, uh, they shouldn't have done it. <laughs> but he told me some of the things that my previous supervisor had said about me. And one of the words that stuck with me, because you know how these words, they, they, you don't lose them? They're with you, you carry them with you, was radioactive. <laughs> That's a bad one. Right on? I mean, who wants something radioactive? If something's radioactive, you want to get as far away from it as you can. And that was the message that I was receiving from that word. Words have incredible power, both for lifting up and for crushing down. Incredible power. And because of that, they will actually alter the course of a life. Let me just... Proverbs talks about this a lot, too. It's not just James. Here's a couple passages from Proverbs. Evil words destroy one's friends. Wise discernment rescues the godly. Proverbs eleven twelve. It is foolish to belittle a neighbor. A person with good sense remains silent. That's Proverbs 11. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words stir up anger. Maybe just a couple more. Kind words, Proverbs 16.24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And then lastly, Proverbs 18.20, words satisfy the soul as food satisfies the stomach. The right words on a person's lips brings satisfaction. Isn't that a good one? I love that one. The right words on a person's lips bring satisfaction. Soul satisfaction. Like having a great meal where you feel full and you feel great and those dopamine is kicking in and you are just loving life. That is the power of words. But of course, we all know that the playground idiom sticks and may but a more untrue statement was never made in the history of the world. As we've all experienced, the opposite is true, right? You could break every bone in my body, and it would probably hurt me less than a cutting word at just the right time. Right on? Yeah, I mean, the words have such incredible power. I want to ask just very briefly why. Why do words have so much power in our life? And I would say... It's simply because of the fact that we're made in the imago dei. You ever heard that term? Imago dei? It means we're made in the image of God. We are made in the likeness of God. And you know what? God is a God of words. 
We, we, when we look at the Bible, as we sit here and we study it, we learn that God is a God of words. It's why we're given the Bible in the first place. This revelation from Him, these words from Him. And so we, because we're created in His image, we have a deep, a deep desire and need to not only hear words from other people, but also to speak words to those around us. I mean, why do you think solitary confinement is such torture? Is it because, you know, it's an uncomfortable room and the walls are hard and the meals aren't that great and the toilet's kind of dirty? Of course not. Those are not the reasons that solitary confinement is so bad. You know, uh, some of us have experienced conditions like that in college, perhaps. (laughs) It's the fact that we cannot speak to another person and another person cannot speak to us because it's, a very, it's the very fabric of who we are as those created in the image of God that needs to hear words and needs to speak words. It's why you can't really enjoy that new show on Netflix or that new movie that you saw at the theater or that new restaurant you went to here in Charlottesville because we have so many new restaurants that open up all the time. You're not really able to truly enjoy it until what? You tell someone about it, right? It's what we call word of mouth. And it, all restaurants need it to survive. They need word of mouth. Because we, when we enjoy something, ugh, it's, like, it's like bubbling. It's like a fizzy drink is exploded inside of us. We're like, we've got to tell someone. And now we have more power because we have reviews on sites like TripAdvisor and you've got Facebook. And now you can instantly tell someone, look at a picture of my food. This place is so great. You need to come here. It's amazing. We've got to get those words out of us because it's who we are. It's who we are as human beings. We've got to get the words out. So that's the why of why are words so powerful. It's because it's how we're created. But I want to talk now, for just a minute, we, we've, talked, we've mentioned words have power over the listener, over the hearer, right? People, our kids are deeply affected by our words, our coworkers, our friends. I mean, that's a no-brainer, I think, to some degree for all of us. But what about us? What about the words, here, here, here goes, what about the words we speak to other people and the words we speak to ourselves? This is a really important one and can be really powerful for our lives. Again, just like the rudder of the ship, it can alter the entire course of our life. How, what words we speak to the people around us and what words we speak to ourselves. Let me unpack that just a little bit. First, talking about uh, speaking words to other people. You know, when we, when we talk, people get to know who we are. You can write down on a piece of paper, here's what I believe, here's what I think, here's what I'm doing. But then if you just get someone talking, you're going to really find out what they actually believe because our words reveal what we actually think and what we actually believe. That's why, it, that's why we need each other. <laughs> Y'all, we, we learn who we are in community. You cannot, you cannot, this is what Scripture teaches, you cannot learn who you are on your own. You can't do it. People like to say, well, I, I just can do it by myself. I'm just going to do everything by myself. That's not how it works. We have to be spoken to and we have to speak into the lives of others to really grow, to really know who we are and what we're all about. We need our friends to speak to us. So not only do words reveal our heart, our own heart, but also words have deep power over ourselves. All of us have gross thoughts about ourselves, don't we? 
We do. At times, I don't know when yours come, maybe in the middle of the night when you can't sleep, or maybe it's when you wake up on Monday morning and you've got to hit work, or maybe it was this morning, or maybe it was, who knows? But we all have moments, have times, when we start to think nasty thoughts about ourselves. Ugh, I'm such a screw-up. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm such an idiot. Or, I don't deserve to live. Or, you name it. It, it can go extreme. It can be just bit, n- not a big deal, right? Like, oh, uh, I'm just so lazy. Oh, uh, I'm just, I don't really, you know, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything good. Again, these thoughts creep into us, not only by our own just self-loathing, but also Satan plants these things in our head. I fully, firmly believe that. But the key... The key, and I think this is what James is saying here, is to make sure that we do not clothe those nasty thoughts with words. And what I mean is, those thoughts can come and you can let them go. You can just be like, no, no, I claim Jesus. I claim acceptance in Him. I claim the fruit of the Spirit. I claim, no, no, get away from me, ugly thought. But if you begin to speak those words to yourself over and over and over again, it's, they begin to have an incredible power over your life. And again, like the rudder of the ship, like the bit in the horse of the mouth, they begin to steer you in certain directions based upon your, you speaking those things to yourself. Oh, I'm such a screw-up. Oh, I'm such a screw-up. Again, just keep saying to yourself, the more you repeat it, the more power it has over you, and the more you begin to believe it, and the more it affects the course of your life. Think about when you wake up in the morning. I don't know, if you, I don't know how much clothing you wake up with. <laughs> Some of you probably are fully clothed with your robe and you're ready to go. And some of you, if you're like me, are almost naked. Or you might be naked. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to ask. I'd not like to know. But there's this process we go through in clothing our bodies with shirts and pants, etc. to go out and enter the world and be effective. How effective would you be if you went to your job tomorrow morning with just your underwear on? How effective would you be? If you're an underwear model, you'd be very effective. That's true. Fair enough. Well said, sir. Well said. Probably not so much, right? People would be like, oh, I've got to avoid you. Or, you know, they would send you home. You know, your supervisor might come in and be like, okay, look, I appreciate you're trying to make a statement about, you know, your your incredible body. And we get it. But we're going to have to ask you to leave. We can't actually have you work here. Bottom line is, without clothing, you're not very effective. Same thing is true for your thoughts. Without the clothing of words that you repeat to yourself, you can take away some of the effectiveness of those negative thoughts. Really work on that. This is a practical application. Again, James is hyper-practical. Work on not clothing. When those thoughts come into your head, let them pass on by. Don't begin to clothe them in words. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I am a, yeah, I am a screw up. Yeah, I am. I, I am a problem. I do have issues. I am a jerk or whatever, whatever it is for you. I don't know. Everybody's got them, but really work hard on not clothing those things with words. Okay. Power of words. So we've covered now we're, we're moving on to our, our third and we're getting close to the end here. We've covered the power of words over the listener. We've covered the power of words over ourselves, over the person who speaks, the, the power of the speaker. And then I want to talk just for a minute of the power of words over our hearts. What do I mean by that, over our hearts? Well, this is where the gospel really comes in. This is, this is, where, this is the, the humility piece of it. 
You ever watch the daytime judge shows? Judge Judy? You ever seen one of these? What's the other one that's on now? There's another new one, newer one. So nobody watches these, huh? I don't blame you. <laughs> They're kind of silly. But if you've ever seen a commercial for one of these, right, it's people standing like one person over here, one person over here, and then the judge in front of them, and they, they're sitting there defending themselves against the accusation that the person next to them is bringing against them, right? They don't usually have lawyers. It's just you two and the judge, whoever, whatever fight uh, has come up. But if you notice, and this is our natural proclivity as human beings, again, there's boasting and there's cursing that occurs. This is, just, this is what James says is the two things that we are most prone to do left to ourselves. Left to ourselves, we're most prone to boast and to curse. Why? Because we feel this deep need to, to, to be worthy of other people and of God. And we feel this deep need to defend ourselves. That, you know what? We weren't all that bad. We, we're not, I mean, come on. It's not that big of a deal what I did. Give me a break. I didn't mean to. It was her fault. It was his fault. It wasn't really my fault. And we spend massive amounts. I don't know what the percentage would be. We spend massive amounts doing exactly what James describes here, boasting and, 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 um, boasting and cursing. Right? We boasting and curse. We, we constantly are sending out, I need to defend myself. Because again, even though the Bible teaches us that in Christ we aren't guilty, we still feel guilty. We still feel guilty. And James is saying that should not be. That's the gospel entering in. Try it for one week and you'll see the power here. Try for one week <laughs> to not defend yourself when somebody accuses you. Try for one week, one, try to, for one week not to boast about something that you did or something you accomplished. I'll tell you from experience, it is impossible. It's impossible. It's our, it's our knee-jerk reaction. It's our gut reaction to things that happen in our life. We defend and we curse those around us. And the Bible says, through Jesus Christ, for those that are in Him, This is what we talked about from the resurrection last week. For those that are in Jesus, there's no guilt, right? Romans chapter 8, there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We put ourselves in the courtroom. We just do it. By natural proclivity, we get ourselves in the courtroom, and instead of claiming, I am 100% totally accepted by God because of Jesus, I am clear, free and clear. No judge can stand in front of me. I plead the beauty of Jesus over me. I plead the blood of Jesus over me. I'm free. I'm free and clear. We just don't. I don't. I don't speak for y'all. I do not spend a whole lot of time in that gospel truth going, I'm out of this courtroom. I don't need to be in here. I don't need to defend myself. Because the gospel teaches me, you know what? I'm way worse than you ever thought but I'm way more forgiven and loved than I ever dared hope. That's the gospel message. You can say, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I did screw up. I am a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, way, I'm worse than that. <laughs> but you know what? I'm free from that because of what Jesus has done for me, because of the righteousness that Jesus has given to me. Okay. 
Let's conclude. We've talked about the power of words over the listener. We've talked about the power of words over the speaker from James. We've talked about the power of words over the heart from James. Let's, talk, let's just conclude with, okay, how do we find some sense of a new tongue, getting a new tongue? Because it would be easy for us to think, for me to think, for us to think, coming into this, oh, Nathan's just trying to show us that we need to say better words to other people. Right? That would be easy for all of us to conclude from this passage. Right? Here's what you need to do, people. Go. Quit cursing other people. Quit defending yourself. Quit, you know, be nice, Austin. Be nice. Go out there. Use better words. Don't, don't yell at your kids so much. That could be a takeaway from this, but that is not meant to be the takeaway from this. Because James says, he says this, he says, we are able to praise God and to curse people from the same mouth. Brackish water. He's like, how can salt water and fresh water coexist? And James's point is this. You can't do it. You can't. You can't just leave here. The reason I can't leave you today with the message, go, be nicer, use better words, bless people, don't curse people, is because you can't. He said it. Who... who How many people can tame the tongue, according to him, at the end of this passage? No one. No human being can tame the tongue. The tongue must be tamed from someone else. The tongue must be tamed from someone else. You guys ever heard of Pentecost? You ever heard that term? Pentecost? It's in Acts chapter 2. And it's this amazing, it's coming up in the church calendar. It's this amazing moment where all these people are gathered. It's after Jesus has been crucified. It's after Jesus has been resurrected. It's after Jesus has gone back to heaven to be with God. And there's all these people hanging out just waiting, waiting for what God might do. What was the, what's the point of this whole resurrection thing, this whole Easter thing that we celebrated last week? And all of a sudden, they're in this meeting area. All of a sudden, what falls upon them are tongues. Catch this. Catch this. Tongues of fire. Did you notice how James in this passage said that the tongue is like a wildfire that is set on fire by hell itself? It is not a coincidence that at Pentecost, tongues of fire fell on the people. And what happened? They started speaking. And they started speaking in all different languages. The languages of all the people who were gathered in that place. And everyone was amazed. They were like, what is happening? And you know what they were speaking? It says in Acts chapter 2. They were praising God. How? How were they praising God? They were praising God in all these different languages. And the people were floored. They were flabbergasted. God was doing an amazing work. And here's what was happening. God was healing tongues. And he was healing tongues by his power. By his power. Not by them, not by all these people just trying harder and going, yes, we're going to be nicer people. Yes, I'm not going to yell at my kids as much. Woo, get pumped up, get pumped up. That's not what was happening there. God was sending down his power onto the people and he was healing their tongues. And he was healing their life. He was healing their hearts. Peter goes on in that passage to speak the gospel message about Jesus coming and Jesus healing. And here's where Iron Man ties in. Iron Man, he wears a suit. Did you ever notice that? He wears this big red, yellow suit, right? What powers his suit? 
Anybody? 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 Okay, we're not big Marvel fans here, are we? Not big Marvel fans. The power core, right, in his chest, you see this thing, this big round, it's like, it's basically like nuclear fission happening with inside his chest. Without the power core, that suit is going to hurt the person inside it, and it's going to hurt the people it encounters, because it's totally out of control without the power core, right? So if the message here, if we leave James and we say, yeah, I'm going to be nicer, yeah, I should use better words, nicer words in my life, I shouldn't hurt people so much with the words I use. We're like Iron Man without the power core in the suit. You're going to injure yourself and you're going to injure those around you because you're going to just try to gut it out and you're going to try to use the force of will that you have in yourself. And that's not very strong. (laughs) You're going to get all bruised and bumped up inside that suit and it is going to be awful. And you're going to run into other people and you're going to knock them and you're going to bruise and you're going to bump them because you're trying so hard and you can't do it. Because tomorrow you wake up and you thought you were nice yesterday, but no, uh, just carnage, carnage. You got to have the power core. You got to have the power core. That's what Jesus talks about back in Matthew. If you remember chapters five through seven, Jesus said, I got to be there. I got to be there. I got to be in your heart. You can't do it without me as the power core, as the center. I am God and I descend on my people and I change the heart. My prayer for us as a community, as Christ Central Church, in a town that is all about words, in a town that uses words to put down other people, my prayer is that we would be a people, that we would be a church, that we would be a community that does this more than anything else, that bends the knee. It can be to anyone. It can be to your own family members. It can be to people you meet outside. It can be to people, your coworkers. Bending the knee is me looking for how I'm better than you. And the only way I'm able to do that, the only way I'm able to bend the knee to that person who's hurt me so badly, to that person that I, that I just don't think I can talk to anymore, to the, to the stranger on the street, is because Jesus has worked something within me. He has put his tongue of fire within my heart and shown me that the God of the universe, y'all think about this for a minute, the God of the universe bent his knee and died for us. It's the ultimate version of bending the knee. It's the ultimate blessing the world has ever known. And he did it for us. That is the power core that we take with us. Let's pray. Lord God, we need you. Lord, we can't do it. We can't make ourselves better people. We've tried. Lord, we've tried. We've tried all the time. Lord, may your your bending of your knee to us break us again today. Remind us that you love us, that you're with us, that you'll never forsake us, that you are the one who comes down to change us, to move us, to restore us, to burn up the dross, to bring us new life, to bring us new loves. And Lord, I pray for anyone in here today that is struggling with 
words that have been spoken to them, words they have spoken to someone else, a broken relationship, I pray, Lord, that by your tongue of fire through Jesus, you would heal. That you would heal. No matter how deep the wound is, no matter how hard it is to imagine healing, we believe, we trust, God, that you can do it. That you can heal us, Lord. And I pray also, Lord, that we would that we would come to know the power of Your healing in us. Lord, heal up the broken places by Your words. Your words like, I'm with You always. I will never leave You nor forsake You. I am with You to the end of the age. I am here. I am rock. I am refuge. I am goodness. I am Your peace. I am Your life. I am Your hope. I am Your resurrection. Lord, I pray that those words from You would penetrate deeply into our hearts. That we might know the power of God. Thank You for this time together to look at James chapter 3 and the beauty of Your words spoken to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we come to this meal, this meal of... Uh, the Lord's Supper, it's called. Some people call it communion. It's important that we remember and that we understand that Jesus did not just bring out these symbols during that night in the upper room when He was with the disciples. Jesus gave the bread and the wine power. And how did He give them power? Through His words. Through His blessing of it by His words, through His blessing of us through His words. And here's what His words were. He said, this, this bread in front of you, this is My body, which is broken for you. Not some conceptual thing, not some neat thing the church needs to do for years to come, but I am going to be broken for you. Eat in remembrance of Me. And we would ask that if you do not have Christ as your power core, that you would let the elements pass by this morning. But if you know Him and have been changed by Him, this meal is for you. Be satisfied, not just by the bread, but by the words that go along with the bread spoken over you, that Jesus died for you. body of Christ broken for you. Eat now in remembrance.
As I've already said, the beauty of this meal is that it combines everything that we are as human beings. It combines not only the nourishment of the body with the bread and the, and the wine, but it also brings the words in that our hearts need. And that same thing, Jesus used words when He presented to the disciples that night in the upper room. He said, he said this, this, this is my blood. And in this blood, I'm making a new covenant. You know what a covenant is? Everybody know what a covenant is? Basically a promise. I'm making a forever promise with you, my people. And my forever promise is that your sins are going to be completely wiped out. Completely. Wiped out. All gone. No more. Forever. Get out of the courtroom. And start smiling. Because your sins are not held against you this morning. And he said, take the drink that I give you. And combine it with my words that I speak to you. And be filled. Be refreshed. Be encouraged. So this morning, along those lines, we have grape juice for the outer circle here in our our wine tray. And then we have, whatever, Cabernet. (laughs) Whatever kind of wine it is on the inside circles. So just for your preference. 